0: read 18 through 20 verse 18 through 20 that's what I'm talking about you had it marked I mean it is the third week you know you figured some, some smart Christians would figure that out you know a lot of people laughing It's revelation. Let's get serious here. All right, guys. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let us pray. Father, I praise you, um, praise you for family. Um, Father, I praise you for this church, the leadership of this church uh, that allowed me to take some time with my family last week. Father, that means so much to myself, my family. Uh, Father, that's what we strive for at this church, is to make sure that everybody in this room understands that's the number one ministry you've given us. It's so important that we take care of that first. Father, again, I just thank you for this church allowing their pastor to do that. Uh, Father, this series that's been going on with Revelation, you've given me a lot of direction on this. Um, Father, today the message that you've given me, um, I truly feel that you want it to pierce the hearts of everybody in this room. So, Father, in order for that to happen, I need you to take me out of it and replace me with you. So, Father, in this moment, I ask that you anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. That you take my pride, lack of confidence, distractions. Father, take all that away from me and replace it with you today, Father. Your love, your boldness, your wisdom of this book. I ask these things in your name, Father. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. Today we're going to continue this sermon series on the book of Revelation, but before we get started, like we're going to do this every week, I want to remind everyone in this room and online we are not studying this book because of fear, we're not studying this book to get enamored into the end times, we are studying this book to gain knowledge, amen. It's what this is all about. Each week during this series, again, I'm going to remind you guys of this, and that's why we're starting every single week of this series with what we just read in the Bible in Matthew, which is the Great Commission, because that is our number one goal. Our number one goal, that's our job, that's what Jesus told us to do, is go and create disciples. We're not going to get so dug into religion and Scripture to where we're not focusing on the number one job he gave us. Go love people deeply, go love people deeply, and disciple them. Right, so if we we've got to stay on track for that, guys. But again, today we're doing this just to gain some knowledge on this book. We all need to understand the Bible. We all need to understand Revelation the best that we can, and it's hard. I'm not gonna lie to you; it's very hard. In the first two weeks in this series, we covered Revelation chapter one uh, through the first half of chapter six. Uh, today, time permitting, uh, we're going to discuss the second half of chapter six and try and get all the way through chapter ten. Uh, two weeks ago when we started on chapter four, I warned all of you about uh about it getting weird. Well well today is it's gonna get weirder. <laughs> more weird. Yeah, more weird. So two weeks ago we stopped again halfway through chapter six. We're uh we were in the middle of of, uh, of, of the Lamb, Jesus opening the seven seals on the scroll. Well, just a reminder real quick, if you could put that picture. Yeah, there's your scroll. Just a reminder. That's what we were talking about last week. Um, Jesus had opened the first four seals, which were the four horsemen of the apocalypse. That's what we talked about two weeks ago. Today, we're going to start back up at Revelation chapter 6, verse 9. If you want to open your Bibles to there, that's where we're going to start back up. This is when Jesus is about to open the sixth seal. So let's go to Revelation 6, verse 9 through 10. When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of all who had been martyred for the word of God and for being faithful in their testimony. I want to stop right there. We'll come back to 10. These souls are the people who died during the reign of the fourth horse uh, that we talked about two weeks ago. That's the pale horse, you know, and with him was death. It's the one that killed one-fourth of the population of the world, and today that would be two billion people. That's what we talked about a couple weeks ago. These people came to know Jesus, though, during the seven-year tribulation and were killed because of their faith. Okay, so what I need you to understand right now is who he's talking about here. These souls that were martyred for the word of God. That is not us. That is not the church. We would have been raptured before that. Understood? These are the people that were left down here during the reign of this horse. And through the process, they died preaching his word. They, they were the ones that were converted at that time. That's who he's talking about right here in verse 9. Let's go to verse 10. They shouted to the Lord and said, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you judge the people who belong to this world and avenge our blood for what they have done to us? You know what's real funny when I read this verse, this is not my notes at all. This just hit me. But how many times do we go to God and, and we say stuff like that? You know, like God, you know, when when is it my turn? You know, when are you gonna help me out here? When are you going to take care of this person that did me wrong? You know, when's that going to happen? And I love Jesus, actually, God always has an answer for everybody, and his answer for these people is actually brought up in the Old Testament, which is Psalms, or they say the same thing, excuse me, forgive me, guys. This same thing, this same prayer that they're praying to God is brought up in Psalms. I want to read that real quick, Psalms 94, 1 through 5. O oh Lord, God of vengeance, O oh God of vengeance, let your glorious justice shine forth. Arise, O oh judge of the, of the earth. Give the, give the proud what they deserve. How long, O oh Lord, how long will the wicked be allowed to gloat? How long will they speak with arrogance? How long will these evil people boast? They crush your people, Lord, hurting those you claim as your own. The reason why I wanted to bring that up, guys, is here you've got... This is in Revelation, right? So this is, this is in the future we're talking about here. This is the Old Testament that's well in the past. And then you have what I call the now testament of today where we are doing the same thing. Again, it's like I said earlier. We all have this argument. God, when are you going to do this for us? When are you going to do this for us? When, it's crazy to me that we always want to go that direction instead of sitting back and understanding that his timing and his will will take place. we just got to be patient for that. So now we're going to go to his answer, this prayer uh, from God's people pleading to him against this unrighteousness. They were given the answer in verse 11. Let's look at chapter 6, verse 11. Then a white robe was given to each of them, and they were told to rest a little longer until the full number of their brothers and sisters, their fellow servants of Jesus, who were to be martyred, had joined them. Okay, so... These souls were told they had to wait for the rest of their brothers and sisters that were also coming. So it's not time yet. It's not in God's timing yet. But I want you to look at the beginning of verse 10 where each of them was given a white robe. Okay, this, again, Revelation has a lot of symbolism. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. In ancient times, long-flowing white robes marked a person's high social or religious status Throughout Revelation, the image of wearing white robes, this signifies a future reward for holiness. You know, so I guess you could say, you know, like today, you know, back then it was the high social or religious status was long flowing robes. So I guess like that high social status, I guess that means, you know, the people driving around in Bentleys and, you know, brand new Lexuses and stuff like that. It's like wearing a nice white robe for your status. But it's also a religious status. The color white represents God's glory, majesty, and brilliance. I want to move forward. Um, let's go on to where he's breaking the sixth seal. Guys, I know I'm moving fast today. So if there's verses up there, you won't screenshot them because I got a lot of notes. I'm going to try and get through this uh, to make sure I can start next week where I planned on it. But Revelation 6, uh, verses 12 through 14. We're going to go there. I watched as the Lamb broke the sixth seal. Again, the Lamb, that's Jesus. There was a great earthquake. The sun became as dark as black cloth, and the moon became as red as blood. Then the stars of the sky fell to the earth like green figs falling from a tree, shaken by a strong wind. The sky was rolled up like a scroll, and all of the mountains and islands were moved from their places. This is where... Revelation starts to get very interesting for a lot of scholars. Um, But in short, the start of the sixth seal is a massive cosmic and earthly change. That's basically what you've got going on here. The sun turning black and the moon to red will be the cause of a great eclipse. The stars falling from the sky will be a massive meteor shower that the world has never seen. Uh, the sky being rolled up like a scroll will be massive tornadoes and hurricanes. Okay, think about that. And the mountains and the islands being moved from their place will be caused by massive earthquakes and uh, volcanic eruptions. So these things are also prophesied, by the way, in the book of Joel and in Isaiah. That's what I love about Revelation. You can go back and forth. But let's look at Joel 2.10 and Isaiah 34.4 just to, just to show you the earthquakes As they advance and the heavens tremble, the sun and moon grow dark and the stars no longer shine. And then in Isaiah, the heavens above will melt away and disappear like a rolled-up scroll. The stars will fall from the sky like withered leaves from a grapevine or shriveled figs from a fig tree. Guys, the thing about Revelation... There's so many times that it's talked about in the Old Testament. What I need you to understand, it's a lot like today with us, like me and Bojo were talking earlier about when God gives me or Bojo a word, and, there, and which he, let me rephrase that because I need you to understand, he gives me a word every Sunday, but there's times where I'll plan on a sermon like Bojo did last week, and then literally that morning, God says, no, I need you to preach on this, Okay. And then when we hear that, I need y'all to understand it, it's hard to go that direction because you've got this whole other sermon planned with all your notes and everything lined up so you know the structure of it. It's easier, you know what I'm saying? But we step out in faith and we go through with it. Well, what's cool is, is after it's done and we receive the confirmation from multiple people that they needed to hear it that day. Okay, that's that confirmation. That's what this is. When you read Revelation... And then you come back and you've got two books in the Old Testament that you can go to that give you that confirmation is something to hang on to, guys. The book of Revelation goes back and forth and back and forth. And the reason why that is, again, is so you know that's that confirmation you're looking for. It's accurate. Do you all understand? you all following me at all? Am I making any sense whatsoever? Okay, good. Cheryl says yes, so I'm going to go with what Cheryl says. Go back real quick, if you don't mind, Nick, to uh, 12 through 14. All this stuff that's going on. The sun became dark. You know, the moon becomes red. Stars in the sky. Everything's rolling up like a scroll, and the mountains and islands are moving from place to place. I was trying to think of like what's a visual for this, of how this would look. Who in this room? Show of hands. Has seen the movie The Neverending Story? Show of hands. Okay, you're showing your age, and you're a nerd. But that's okay, because I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies ever. And then some of these people are like, what's the never-ending story? You're too young. You need to go look it up on YouTube TV. It's a great movie. But anyway, so do y'all remember closer to the end of the movie that the nothing is coming in, and it's tearing up the, 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 uh, the, what was the town and all that called? Help me out here. Come on, nerds. I need some help. What, what was the, the, where they lived? <laughs> anyway, that place, Okay. And it's tearing it up, and and like a tray is hanging from a tree sideways because the wind's blowing like crazy and so forth. Like, that's the visual I get of what's going to go on in that moment. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's just the visual that I get from it. The next three verses, 15 through 17, which are the last verses of chapter 6, talks about how the people who defied God try to hide from him. But I need you to understand you'll never be able to hide from God's wrath. It's not going to happen. Cannot hide from God's wrath. And the thing is, is God gives you so many chances. So many chances. We're going to get into that here in just a minute. I want to move on to chapter 7. Let's look at 7, verses 1 through 3. Then I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds, so they did not blow on the earth or the sea or even on any tree. And I saw another angel coming up from the east, carrying the seal of the living God. And he shouted to those four angels who had been given power to harm land and sea. Wait, don't harm the land or the sea or the trees until we have placed the seal of God on the foreheads of his servants. The four winds in this verse represent God's judgment on the earth. Those four angels are holding back God's judgment. I need you to visualize that. Notice in verse 2, it says that these four angels were given power to harm the land and the sea. God gave these four angels that power to release his judgment. But in verse three, God sends another angel to tell four angels to wait until his seal has been protected, or excuse me, until he has sealed that protection and it's placed on his servants. I want to pick back up real quick on verse uh, let's read verse four through eight. and I heard how many were marked with the seal of God 144,000 were sealed from all the tribes of Israel. Okay. These are your 12 tribes of Israel right here guys that are right below that. This 144,000 it represents those 12 tribes which represents the 12 sons of Jacob in Genesis. These 144,000 are God's chosen people, they're Jewish. God chose these 144,000 to come to the earth during the tribulation to witness to the lost souls that were left behind in hope to convert the lost into believers, okay? So this 144,000, a lot of people get mixed up who this is, but that's who we've got here. It's represented from the 12 tribes of Israel, 12,000 apiece. Those people, God chose those 12,000 in each tribe to come back, to go forth and to preach the good word to all of the lost souls that are left, okay? Again, church will be raptured. These are the people that are left behind, and this 144 is who's going to go preach to them and try and get them to convert. I need you to notice what's going on, though, right here in this verse. This is the perfect example of God's mercy, okay? If you go back to 1 through 3, and you don't have to, Nick, but if you go back to 1 through 3, if you noticed, again, you had the four angels... Four corners of the earth. They're getting ready to release God's wrath. And God decides, no, wait a minute. I need my angel to go tell them to to chill out. Hang on just a minute. Because I'm going to send this 144,000 down there and try and get more people to get to heaven. Guys, what I need you to understand, God's mercy is amazing. At this point in time, he shouldn't have to do that. We've gone through four horses. Four horses. We've already gone through the chaos of the never ending story. <laughs> why should God get, have more patience? You know what I'm saying? Like, Why should he do that? His church is already up there. We're there. That's how much he loves mankind. I need you to grasp that. He's given them another chance. Guys, God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He didn't want anybody to go to hell. That's what I take from this in Revelation. But one other thing. Not only do these verses show the example of mercy, it also shows that our God is a just God as well. Let me explain this to you. In the Old Testament, the 12 tribes of Israel are different from the 12 tribes that are mentioned here in Revelation. Some of you all have studied this and know this, but two names were taken away. The tribe of Dan and the tribe of Ephraim. Both of these tribes rebelled against God. And because of this, they were replaced. So we need to always understand, yes, our God is a God of mercy, but he is a just God. And he will not, guys, he will not allow rebellion in his kingdom. That's what that shows me. The two tribes that rebelled, they're gone. And those two tribes... There was a lot of impurity, a lot of uh, idolatry, um, Those are things he's not going to tolerate. So what that shows me in all of those verses together, what that shows me, one through eight, is that, yes, he is a God of mercy. And then he turns right back around and he shows us, but he's also still a just God. I'd much rather be on that mercy side, right? I want to move on to verse 9. Chapter 7, verse 9, Nick. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. Okay, well, we already understand the white robes, and what I believe that is here, the symbolism for that is, is these are the people, well, let me explain that to you, this, uh, this is after the 144,000 have come to witness to the people on the earth. And this vast multitude, these are the people, these are the ones that were converted into believers. Okay, that's what you've got here. Again, these white robes, that represents God's glory, majesty, and brilliance. These people have been cleaned from their sins and are now worthy to wear the white robes. And then the palm branches, just a little bit more symbolism here, guys, that is, that's about celebration, represents celebration. And to me, and, and I need you to understand this about heaven, and I think you all know this, every time somebody's saved and reaches salvation, it's a great, joyous celebration on earth. I mean, in heaven, right? So in this moment, you've got a vast multitude, okay? John, in Revelation, there's a lot of numbers, and he you know, he's made a lot of sevens, and we're fixing to talk about a number here in a minute. It's the largest number ever mentioned in the Bible. But in this situation, I need you all to understand this, He didn't know. It was so large that he just had to call it a vast crowd. So this was a major celebration that's going to be going on in heaven when all this occurs. We're going to be there as well to witness all this and to see all this. We're going to see all these souls coming up that this 144 are going out and helping to repent. I want to move on to chapter 8. And this is the breaking of the seventh seal on the scroll, chapter 8, verses 1 through 2. When the Lamb broke the seventh seal on the scroll, there was silence throughout heaven for about half an hour. I saw the seven angels who stood before God, and they were given seven trumpets. It's about to get real. Keep in mind, these trumpets are not going off until God has secured and protected his people. I need you all to understand this before I move on to the next verses. Guys, again, we will be, we're pre tribulation we're up tribulation, right? We're pre-tribulation. And then the converted that we just talked about, they're up there. God has not allowed these angels to start blowing these trumpets until his people are secure or protected. Y'all follow me here? It's very important that we grasp that before we get into these dang trumpets. See, let's go to verses 7 through 12. The first angel blew his trumpet, and hell and fire mixed with blood were thrown down on the earth. One-third of the earth was set on fire. One-third of the trees were burned, and all the green grass was burned. Then the second angel blew his trumpet, and a great mountain of fire was thrown into the sea. One-third of the water in the sea became blood. One-third of all living things in the sea died, and one-third of all the ships on the sea were destroyed. Next verse. Then the third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from the sky, burning like a torch. It fell on one-third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star was bitterness. It made one-third of the water bitter, and many people died from drinking the bitter water. Then the fourth angel blew his trumpet, and one-third of the sun was struck, one-third of the moon, and one-third of the stars, and they became dark. And one-third of the day was dark, and also one-third of the night. That's some crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. These first four trumpets will affect the earth's ecosystem and atmosphere, drastically altering living conditions on earth. They will also cause major chaos in the world trade and economic means. And the darkness from the fourth trumpet will cause worldwide fear and panic. Guys, this is total chaos. And we ain't not even gotten to the fifth, sixth, or seventh trumpet. We're going to move on to the fifth trumpet. Chapter 9, let's look at verses 1 through 2. Then the fifth angel blew his trumpet and I saw a star that had fallen to earth from the sky and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. When he opened it, smoke poured out as though from a huge furnace and the sunlight and air turned dark from the smoke. No one knows who this star is going to be. We have no idea who that star is going to be, but whoever it is, God gave the power to open the pit of hell. Whoever this angel is, he's coming down with a major purpose on this this trumpet, on this fifth trumpet. And that is to basically, again, open up the gates of hell. I feel for these people that are going to be here on earth at that time they I mean, already feel bad enough with these first four trumpets, but they have no idea what's coming. It's going to be a rude awakening for these people. Guys, as a child of God, I mean, we're just, we're, we're through four trumpets. Aren't you glad you're a child of God? Let's look at verses. That baby gets it. That baby gets it. Already. Anointed already. That's what I'm talking about. Revelation 9, let's look at uh, 3 through 6. (sighs) Then locusts came from the smoke and descended on the earth. They were given power to sting like scorpions. Who in here has been stung like a scorpion? Who's who's been stung by a scorpion? It hurts, right? Like I've been stung, I think, because I'm from Cass County. I've been stung by everything that you could possibly get stung by, and a scorpion's the worst. That's by far the worst pain I've ever had they were told not to harm the grass or plants or trees but only the people now if you will remember guys those first four trumpets were not to hurt the people it was to destruct the entire earth God's just it's time they were told not to harm the grass plants or the trees but only the people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads again y'all remember he did not allow those trumpets to be blown until his children were either secure in heaven, the church, we're already there, or protected with this seal. They'll still be down here. The ones that didn't come up with us will still be down here, but they'll be protected because they have converted. Do you understand? They were told not to kill them, but to torture them for five months with pain, like the pain of a scorpion sting. Man, when I think of torture, Y'all know I got three daughters and a wife, so I live with four women, right? Hang on just a second. I am. When, when, when I'm driving down the road and, and I got all of my ladies in my car with me and, 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 the, and a song comes on, who knows Who knows? Dancing Queen by Abba? <laughs> Anytime that song comes on, the music goes up to the max, and, and I can't even think straight. <laughs> See, to me, that's like pure torture, you know? They're singing it and screaming it at me and everything. They can't get half the words right, you know? But, but the thing is, I have learned, and I need y'all to understand this, I've learned over the years, you know, if you can't beat them, you join them, you just... <laughs> kind of my guilty pleasure. It's one of my favorite songs. <laughs> it is. Will, why are you laughing? You know that song, that piano part? You play it all the time. I know you do. <laughs> Nobody's paying attention. I bet Flav does too. I'll ask him next week. These people, guys, I, did, I need you to grasp this, though. To torture them, not to kill them. You know, you, when you think of God, you don't think of stuff like this, that he would allow people to be tortured. But again, you've got to understand he's not going to allow his children to be tortured. It's the people that he tried to get there. And he gave them a lot of chances, guys. That's what we're sitting here reading about. They just wouldn't turn to him. In those days, people will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. These people, guys, They're going to be in such pain and such agony. They'll be pleading for death, and God's not going to allow it. He's not going to allow it. I want you to think about that. Guys, he's not going to allow it. So so these people that are going to be there at that time, God's not even going to allow them to commit suicide. He's not going to allow it. He is going to make sure that they understand his wrath. Again, it's it's hard to think of God this way, but that's what the book of Revelation teaches us, y'all. Let's go look at uh, Revelation nine seven through ten. The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. This is some freaky stuff, man. They had what looked like gold crowns on their heads, and their faces looked like human faces. That's just that's weird. They had hair like women's hair, and teeth like the teeth of a lion. They wore armor made of iron. And their wings roared like an army of chariots rushing into battle. That is loud. They had tails that stung like scorpions. And for five months, they had the power to torment people. I want to show you all, and some of you all have probably seen this before. I've actually seen it before. Uh, It's a picture of a swarm of locusts. Could you pull that up for me, please? Okay. So I need you all to imagine These demons that are coming out of the unlocked gate that the star came and unlocked. If you can imagine all of them, and there's that many coming at you. And what makes it even worse, this next picture I'm fixing to show you guys is pretty graphic. And it may be a little disturbing to some of you guys but this is the closest picture that I could find online that fit the description of these locusts, these demons. And I really believe everybody needs to understand what these demonic creatures are going to look like. I think you really do need to understand it. Pull that picture up for me. I want you to imagine thousands of those coming at you. Now, here's the great point. We're not going to have to worry about it. Amen? Amen. Thank you for the grace and mercy of God. But here's what I need you to grasp. You may know somebody that you ain't sure about. It hurts my heart. Guys, I promise you, there's going to be people you know when this day comes. There's going to be people you know that are the most loving, happy, joyful, vibrant people that you know. But they don't know God. And they're going to have to face that. I want you to think about that in your daily walk. Now, y'all know me well enough to know I'm not going to grab my Bible and go slap people with it. But here's what you need to do is the next time You have that friend, and you're you're struggling with their salvation. Because I know I've got some, and I don't want them to look at that. And I want you to imagine that coming at you, getting you, and then just torturing you. They're not going to kill you. Torture you for a long amount of time. Five months they get to torture you. Every time you go in your house, you hear that sound of those chariots they are going to war that we were talking about. That's their wings. That's loud. And every time you're in your home, you hear it off in the distance, and you know they're coming. And there's nothing you can do about it. They're going to rip the roof off of your house. They're going to come at you and your family if they're not. At, if they hadn't reached salvation, they're coming at your family too. Guys, this is, again, I need you all to envision this because the person that you're struggling with, that you're not sure if they've reached that salvation or not, again, don't, don't go bible them. but here's what I'm asking you to do, and it works for me constantly. God, open the door. Just open the door. Just crack it with this individual. I don't want to come at them too harsh because that's just going to, guys, that turns them off. That turns them off from the church. That's the biggest problem with the church, to be honest with you. They're going around slamming people, slapping them with their Bibles and stuff like that. They ain't going to do no good. Come on, what's the matter with you? Go love on them. What does he tell us to do? Go love on people. So my, my thing, guys, is that one person, love on them and pray, God, crack that door open so I have the opportunity to witness to them. Because I don't want them to see this wrath. I don't want them to see it. Let's go, uh, let's go to the sixth trumpet blast. We're going to look at Revelation 9, 13 through 16. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet. I heard a voice speaking from the four horns of the gold altar that stands in the presence of God. And the voice said to the sixth angel who held the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great Euphrates River. Okay, remember these are the four angels that were holding back God's wrath. Now they are allowed to release it. Then the four angels who had been prepared for this hour and day and month and year were turned loose to kill one third of the people on the earth. I heard the size of their army. Which was 200 million mounted troops. That's the largest number mentioned in the Bible. It's God's army. 200 million, largest number mentioned in the Bible. These four angels, guys, I need you to grasp this because it says the four angels who had been prepared for this hour and day and month and year were turned loose. They were prepared. Now, I need you to remember, they were already standing there, right? I have no doubt those four angels are standing at all four corners of the earth right now. And they're waiting to release God's wrath on this earth. But thank goodness we've got an angel that's told them to, hang on just a minute. Some of my people are still coming. Some of God's people, they're still coming. But I need you to envision this, guys. Those four angels are literally standing there ready to release God's wrath. They've been waiting and waiting and waiting. The moment of the six blasted trumpet. God again will have gathered and protected his people. In verse 16, again, that 200 million, guys, I do need you to grasp that. The largest number, but that's a lot of people. That's a lot of, that's a lot of angels. It's a lot of warriors. I want to go to 17 and 18 real quick. And in my vision, I saw the horse and the riders sitting on them. The riders wore armor that was fiery red and dark blue and yellow. The horses had heads like lions and fire and smoke and burning sulfur, billowed from their mouths one-third of all the people on earth were killed by these three plagues by the fire and smoke and burning sulfur that came from the mouths of the horses okay so now God's released his angels he first it was demons then he's like okay y'all didn't do a good enough job I'm gonna send my angels out there one-third guys I want to show y'all a picture again. This is the closest thing I could find online to a picture of what that angel's going to look like. That's, that's a scary sucker, man. 200 was million, 200 million it was. A lot of that. Aren't you glad we're on their side? Yeah. And I'm going to tell you right now, he looks a whole lot meaner looking than that weird looking dude that we looked at earlier. I think he could take him. Guys, that, that's, that's the, this is the wrath of God, y'all. What's cool is, is we're on their side. What's cool is that's what protects us. Something along that nature. These angels are going to be given the authority to kill one-third of the people left on the earth at this time. But what happens to the other two-third of the people that are left? After major damage to the earth, complete economic destruction being tortured by the worst demons imaginable, and watching God's angels wipe out one-third of the earth in a matter of minutes, maybe even seconds, surely the other two-thirds of the people left on the earth would finally turn to God, right? Verse 20 through 21. We're going to end with this. But the people who did not die in these plagues still refused to repent of their evil deeds and turn to God how stupid can you be? They continued to worship demons and idols made of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood. Idols that can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their witchcraft or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Guys, again, how stupid can you be? They're worshiping things that you can't see, hear, or walk. And then you got all these angels coming at you, wiping out one-third of the population of the earth. The the, the thing is, this is is how powerful Satan can be, y'all. This is what I need you to grasp. They've seen all this. They've seen it all. But Satan is so manipulative. He can harden someone's heart that much. That's what he does. He hardens their heart to the point where they will not turn to God. Guys, make no mistake about it. We're faced with these same evil powers today. It's more important now than ever that we make sure that our hearts are in the right place. Guys, Satan will do whatever he can. Right now, whatever he can. To destroy you and harden your heart. He will do whatever he can. It can be. It can be the death of a family member. It can be the death of a child. It could be your your, your, your business going under. could be an illness he will do whatever he can to take your heart away from God guys these people that we just talked about in Revelation saw all the signs and wonders that you can imagine and their heart was still hardened Today, God signs his wonders. They're still available to us. You just got to look for them. They're out there right now. They're in this room right now. The problem is, again, Satan has hardened our hearts so much sometimes that we don't even pay attention to it. Stop and pay attention to these wonders of God. Make sure your heart's open to him. You don't want to be one of these. I promise you. I can't imagine the wrath that's going to come down on that. So, these struggles that we may have, that, that Satan continues to pound on us to harden our hearts. You know, I can honestly sit here and say, um, I, don't, I don't have that problem. I'm not bragging. I know how blessed I am to not have that problem. But I also know that some of you guys have got that problem. Y'all been hurt. You've been down. Something's been taken away from you. I just need you to know, like, I want to shout to these people. God's love so much bigger. He still loves you. He's got you the loss of somebody, the, the, the loss of your finances, any issue that you may go through like that, it's not bigger than the love of God. When you feel down and, and, you, and you're struggling with those things, just lean on Him. No sin, no evil is bigger than our God.